Let us pray. Father, as we come to your word this day, we pray that you would draw us to yourself. Draw us to yourself in a way that we would be conformed to his image and that you would be glorified. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, O Lord. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to this fourth Sunday of Easter, one Sunday. And on this Sunday, our gospel readings always come from some portion of the 10th chapter of St. John's Gospel. So we're going to be looking at John chapter 10 from our gospel reading this morning, verses 1 through 10. And I would invite you to take out your Bibles or devices with Scripture on them to follow along. Looking at John 10, our reading from today's gospel contains one of those what are known as I am sayings of Jesus. There are seven of these I am sayings of Jesus contained in John's gospel. They're unique to John's writings. In John's gospel, in addition to the one from John chapter 10, verses 1 through 10 this morning, I am the door. We also find Jesus saying in John's gospel that I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the good shepherd. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the way, the truth, and the life, and I am the true vine. In the book of Revelation, St. John records Jesus saying, I am the Alpha and the Omega. John chapter 10, verses 1 through 5, grows out of a parable found in John's Gospel. Or it is a parable in John's Gospel in verses 1 through 5. By way of a little bit of background, This passage in John's gospel follows right on the heels of the account of Jesus healing the man who had been blind. You may remember the story of how Jesus covered the man's eyes and then told him to go and wash in the pool of Siloam. The man obeyed Jesus' instructions and miraculously he received his eyesight. Because of this event, the Pharisees wanted to discredit Jesus. In their investigation of this miraculous event, they also insulted the formerly blind man, attempting to somehow exclude him from the community of faith. We see this in John 9, verse 34. They did this as if somehow they possessed the exclusive right and authority to decide who did and who did not belong to God's covenant community, the community of genuine faith. So in John chapter 10, Jesus is addressing this scenario and who is not a part of God's covenant community. In fact, there is no way they can decide this because the strong implication of Jesus' words here in the parable of verses 1 through 5 is that they themselves are not part of God's true covenant community. According to Jesus, they are actually thieves and robbers. And we see in verse 6, they really don't get it. They refuse to hear what Jesus is really saying. This figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not. They refuse to hear what Jesus is saying about them. What he is saying about their identity. What he's saying about true covenant people. So in these verses, in verse 7 through verse 18, which goes beyond our reading this morning, Clear and unequivocal terms. So I want to begin here by looking at this wonderful imagery today. 
In his full explanation, Jesus makes two I am statements in John chapter 10. In verse 7 and verse 9, Jesus says, I am the door, or in some translations, I am the gate. And then in verses 11 and 14, he says, I am the good shepherd. To understand what Jesus is saying here, we need to understand something about parables. Some parables in scripture are complete stories, like the parable of the tenants in Matthew chapter 25. Others, like the one in today's passage, are more in the form of a short illustration from everyday life. Something which contains familiar elements, which the hearers should be able to latch onto and grasp clearly from their daily life experience. Despite the simplicity of the message of parables, the Jewish leaders were not getting it. If you will, their lack of understanding of verse 6, he says this. The failure is not primarily an intellectual problem. It is an unwillingness to respond to the challenge of the parables. In other words, their problem was not a head problem. It was not a problem of intellect. It was a heart problem. And that remains true for so many people in our day as well. The most important thing for us to remember in understanding and applying parables is that they make one or two key points. Points which call for a response and an application in our lives as we respond in obedience to the word of the Lord. Grasping the main point, the main point of parables is the key. Not every word or image in a parable is symbolic or of importance. And that's important to remember because sometimes people will latch on to something peripheral, something ancillary in a parable, and somehow attach great spiritual significance to it. A parable is not an allegory. The main points of this parable today involve the imagery of a door or a gate. And I want to focus on that door imagery today. Understanding the truth of the imagery employed in Jesus saying, I am the door. And then how that should be applied and make a difference in how we live our lives. And I think in this passage, there are three specific truths we find concerning the door. The first is found in verse 7. And it is this. The sheepfold has only one door. The sheepfold has only one door. In several other New Testament passages, the imagery of a gate or a door is also used. We see this image used in Acts chapter 14, verse 27, which speaks of the door of faith being opened to the Gentiles. But the imagery in John chapter 10 is unique because it is only this passage where Jesus himself is depicted as the door. Like each I am statement of Jesus, this speaks powerfully of Jesus being the only way, the only way to salvation. It speaks of him alone as our hope and our possibility for right relationship with God. And there is great force and power in the image that is found in the sheepfold. Because there is only one fold and there is only one way to enter that fold. And that is through a living relationship with Jesus Christ. We need to remember to get a fuller understanding of this imagery that in the ancient Near East, as sheep would 
be herded into a pen for the night, the shepherd often physically laid himself across the entrance of that pen as the door. And that gives us a much more forceful picture of exactly what Jesus was doing. He was laying across the entrance to the sheep pen, if you will, physically himself becoming the door to enter in to that. One of my very dearest friends, whose name Matt, is a missionary in Cambodia, has been a missionary there for many years now. And he is director of an orphanage. And a number of years ago, there was a woman who was in a horrible, horrible abusive relationship. Her husband was also involved with gangs in the Siam Reap area of Cambodia, where Matt's ministry is located. And she, in fleeing from her husband, she sent her child to the orphanage. And there was a lot of hostility. This father had made threats not only against his wife, but against Matt and against the orphanage. And for weeks on end, my friend Matt at night physically slept across the doorway, the entrance to the orphanage, to make sure that that man would never come in to do harm to any of those children during that time. Matt was making himself, if you will, the gate or the door to his orphanage. Jesus himself has made himself the gate or the door to the sheepfold. That is what Jesus has done for you and for me. There is only one way into the sheepfold. It is through the door, through the body of our Lord Jesus Christ himself who was broken and poured out and raised from the grave for you and me. From time to time, we hear about other gospels or lost Christianities, and there was quite a furor or fad with this about 10 years ago in our culture. And there is an attempt through this to undermine and attack the uniqueness of Jesus and the authoritative biblical record. When we dig into those things, we find that they are based on misinformation, distortion, lies, masquerading as half-truths presented out of context. Please hear me. The early church in the first and second centuries, had no confusion about this matter. Documents of the early church, in addition to scripture, attest to this reality. Ignatius, Bishop of Antioch, who was martyred around AD 108, wrote this, referring to Jesus. He is the door of the Father, by which enter in Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and the prophets and the apostles and the church. Do you hear that? Ignatius in 108, the Bishop of Antioch writing that Jesus is the gate, the door, not only for the church, not only for the apostles, but for the prophets and the heroes and the believers of the Old Testament as well. We need to remember Ignatius wrote this while he was a prisoner in transit from Antioch to Rome, where he would be torn apart by wild beasts in the Colosseum. The scriptures are clear. True believers have always understood that salvation is by and through Jesus Christ and him alone. The sheep pen has one door. His name is Jesus. Secondly, you can't climb over the fence. We see this in verse 8. Also in some extended verse 1 and verse 9. Look at verse 1 and verse 8 with me. 
In verse 1, Jesus says, Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter by the sheep, enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in it by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. And they continue in verse 8, All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. The Jewish leaders in Jesus' day were trying to climb over the fence. Climbing over a fence or a wall when you don't know what you're doing can get you in to a real mess. Climbing over the fence can get you in trouble. Back about 15 years ago, the Chicago Tribune reported the story of a man named John Grisham who shouldn't have been alive because during his attempt to scale an electrical tower, the, 20 man, the 22-year-old man received a shock that should have proved fatal. Partway up the tower, as Grisham was climbing, climbing 69,000 volts of electricity coursed through his body, knocking him to the ground. Despite suffering burns to his chest and having his pants explode, the young man was admitted to the hospital in good condition. How did Grisham get into such a predicament? It was no accident. A seven-foot-tall fence topped with barbed wire surrounded the electrical tower. Electrical company spokeswoman Angela Protergeer said the spot where Grisham climbed over the fence was bracketed by signs saying danger, high voltage. He ignored the signs. He ignored the right way. If you or I trying to climb over the fence, brothers and sisters, we will get burnt. Jesus is very clear. The one who climbs in by any other way is a thief and a robber. In verse 8, we see that those who are already sheep, those who are already believers, aren't fooled by those who try to climb over the fence. They know that there is only one way. We know, if we are believers, we know that there is only one way. But people do indeed try to climb over the fence all the time. Our world, our community is filled with people trying to climb over the fence. We encounter people every day who are trying to climb over the fence. How do they, or even perhaps some of us who are listening, try to climb over? We do it by things like trying to earn a relationship with God through our own efforts, through our works. By denying our sinfulness and our need of a savior, as Romans 3, chapter 10, excuse me, Romans chapter 3, verses 10 through 12 reminds us as it is written, none is righteous, no, not one. No one understands, no one seeks God, all have turned aside. In Ephesians chapter 2, St. Paul writes, but God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses and sins, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. People also try to climb over the fence by asserting the idea that there are many valid ways to a right and living relationship with God. That all spiritualities lead to the same end. That there are many ways, and if we, we are true to ourselves within, and we follow our hearts, or we follow our conscience, that it will all lead in the end to the same thing. My question is, if all spiritualities 
lead to the same end, they lead to eternal life, then why did Jesus need to die? This idea, this line of thinking is completely contrary to what Jesus says or means when he says, I am the door. Somebody might sincerely sincerely believe, people do indeed sincerely believe that there are many ways to God. And they are sincerely wrong. If you want to go down that path, that is your choice. But don't attempt to call yourself a Christian. Don't attempt to call yourself a Christ follower. Because it is completely contrary to what Jesus said and what he demonstrated both in his earthly ministry and in his sacrificial death. And it is contrary to the 2,000 years of church teaching, which is based on the whole counsel of the word of God. Others try to climb over by viewing God as a means to an end, a means to self-serving desires. Max Lucado, in his book, Six Hours on Friday, says this. For some people, Jesus is a good luck charm. The rabbit's foot redeemer, pocket-sized, handy, easily packaged, easily understood, easily diagrammed. You can put his picture on your wall or you can stick it in your wallet as insurance. You can frame him, dangle him from your rearview mirror, or glue him to your dashboard. His specialty? Getting you out of a jam. Need a parking place? Rub the Redeemer. Need help on a quiz? Your wish is his command. No need to have a relationship with him. No need to love him. Just keep him in your pocket next to your four-leaf clover. For many, he's an Aladdin lamps redeemer. New jobs, new cars, new and improved spouses. Your wish is his command. And what's more, he conveniently re-enters the lamp whenever you don't want him around. For other, Jesus is a Monty Hall redeemer. All right, Jesus, let's make a deal. For 52 Sundays a year, I'll put on a costume, a coat, a tie, a hat, and hose. And I'll endure any sermon you throw at me. In exchange, you give me the grace behind pearly gate number three. The rabbit's foot redeemer. The Aladdin's lamp redeemer. The Monty Hall redeemer. Few demands. No challenges. No need for sacrifice, no need for commitment. Sightless and heartless redeemers, redeemers without power. That is not the redeemer of the New Testament. When we, when you and I try to climb over the fence, we step into the role of a thief or a robber. We do it our way. We try to establish the means of salvation rather than embracing God's way. And in doing that, we rob God. We rob ourselves. We rob Jesus of the reward of his sufferings. We rob him of the honor and the glory. We rob him of the obedience that is due him because of who he is and because of his sacrifice. And we rob ourselves of the very thing that we are seeking to experience. Relationship with God, forgiveness of sins, eternal life, purpose and true meaning in our lives. Trying to climb over the fence demeans the sacrifice of Jesus.
and trying to climb over the fence keeps us from the very thing which we are seeking. Third and finally, abundant life is right through the door, verses 9 through 10. Just through the door is salvation, deliverance from bondage of sin and things of this world, experiencing the undeserved blessings of God poured out on us through Jesus Christ and his grace. As Titus chapter 3 verses 4 through 7 reminds us, but when the kindness and love of God our Savior appeared, he saved us not because of righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ, our Savior, so that having been justified by his grace, we might become heirs, having the hope of eternal life. What a contrast we see in verse 10. The thief, the one who comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And Jesus, the gate, the door, I came that you might have life and have it abundantly. The thief only intends harm for the sheep. It's interesting here that the word for kill is the word used to kill for food. The devil, the thief, wants to devour us. He wants to consume us. The things of this world, even trying to follow someone who is leading us over the fence, will cause us to be devoured. But Christ calls us to enter in through him, to enter in through the door, and through him to experience healing and salvation and abundance of life as we enter in through him. He invites us today to enter in in greater and fuller measure, to enter in to a deeper experience of his grace, of his forgiveness, of his life. And he alone brings us to him. I am the door. Jesus is the only way to enter in. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you laid down your life for the sheep and that you are the door to the sheepfold. And I pray even now in your mighty name that we would truly enter in in fuller measure. And Lord, for any of us or at times in our lives when we, tried, we have tried to climb over the fence and somehow even in some small measure enter in by any way other than you, through self-righteousness or works or whatever that may be that you convict our hearts of even now, Lord, may we lay that aside and may we fully and truly embrace and trust you not only once but every day as our Savior and as our Lord. This we pray in your mighty name. Amen. 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 Amen.